earlier on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Fourth and goal. Here we go. 58,000 here in Frankfurt on their feet. Minshew under center. Thanks to snap. Quick pitch right side of Jonathan Taylor. Looking to break it out. Slices into the end zone. Touchdown, Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y in Germany. JT finds the end zone of the Colts. They're on top for the first time today. Fourth and one converts for the Patriots. The clock is moving on them, though. They're out of timeouts. And Zappi fakes a blocking of the ball. He fires it up. field, picked off by the Colts. Intercepted by Rodney Thomas. Yes, sir. The Colts will take that. 31 seconds to go. And the Colts in Germany are going to be victorious. It's a bunch of left opportunity. Um, sorry, I'm just blessed to be here today. Um, playing in front of a home crowd, in front of family, and um, it just meant the world to me. I love that. That's what the Germans think when they think of Americana. I just put country roads on. All those USA people, they'll all sing along. Welcome in. Uh, get on the YouTube right now. I, I know you may be listening on there. Get on the YouTube right now. we got to find out exactly what KB's doing with this hair. We'll get to that. It's the wake-up call. We have three hours. Colts winners. Uh, Pacers ran into Tyrese Maxey last night, who dropped 50. Indiana in action. Purdue in action over the weekend. A busy, busy show. Mark Dykton producing today's effort. I'm Andy Sweeney. Fellas, a happy Monday morning. A victorious Colts Operation 5-5 five and five is finished. It wasn't pretty, but nonetheless, the Indianapolis Colts 5-5 five and five as we sit here on this Monday. I would like to think the hair is Mac Jones currently, and maybe by, you know, in a few weeks, few months, it'll be Dio Dengbo. If we want to reference okay, some Colts, Patriots, individuals from yesterday. Boy, Mac Jones is bad. Mark Ooh. Dykton, you didn't have to spend a whole lot of time Ooh. on that intro. Uh, no. Country Roads probably could have just played for the entire two or three minutes of it. Um, yeah, people were asking. They said, are you even going to make a montage? I'm like, well, it's not really a montage as much as like a highlight. Like a Matt Gay missed field goal. Uh, whoever their rookie yeah. kicker is and is a Ryland. Bailey Zappi I mean, truly, the game. Outside of the JT touchdown and, and that interception at the end. What else was there? It's kind of a sleepwalk game where you're like, kind of really wake up early to watch this. Let me go here because I do think there are a couple of individual plays I want to make. And by the way, good Monday morning to everybody out there. I am Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, Mark Dykton with us. Obviously, a ton to get to as Andy just laid out there in the open. Ten six winners in Frankfurt, <laughs> Germany, the Colts. Uh, an Isaiah McKenzie kick return. Yeah. A Josh Downs gutting it out. 14 snaps he's limited to. A huge leaping. That kid is, he, he's not a kid. I mean, he is an established pro at the midway point of his rookie season. And honestly, you played the Jonathan Taylor touchdown. Andy, how big was that? I mean, that is a fourth and goal. You know, Shane Steichen, I thought, should have challenged the Michael Pittman screen. He does not. So now all of a sudden you're sitting there on the goal line. You decide to go for it. And in a game where points became extremely precious, that four-point play, opting for the touchdown and getting the touchdown and not kicking the field goal there early, uh, the effort by Taylor in space, the effort by Kylan Granson, I, I almost felt like, and obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but that just made things like insurmountable. Like, 
from then on, New England thinks to themselves, how the hell are we going to get two field goals to get back in this game? And they missed from 35 <laughs> yards, and Mac Jones well, We got throws. 10 points immediately. You thought, oh, we might get some points in Germany. Right, how about this? So much for that. Um, just one of the uglier games you'll ever witness, but at the same time, as... So many um, golf coaches of mine told me back in the day, Kevin, there are no pictures on the scorecards. You add up the score, and you post a number, and that's it. And when you look at the standings, it says 5-5. Five and five. We'll talk about what the 120 minutes of football the Colts have played the last two weeks means for them coming out of the bye. But at the end of the day, Andy, you are in the hunt as they throw up there on the graphic, and that's really all that matters in the short term. We can obviously kind of extrapolate what, the result means, though, for these final seven games. Two, three, nine, ten, seventy. Uh, we're wide open today. Obviously, we'll get to a bunch of sound. You heard some of the Bernard Reitman sound. Uh, he and by the way, he's not the. He's not. There's like three or four personal stories. Daryl Baker Jr. watching the birth of his son on the plane. Going over that? into Germany. I mean, the Colts had like shout three, out to the Wi-Fi. Uh, I mean, my God, they had like three or four like personal human interaction type stories that we can get to. Uh, obviously, the Pacers in action last night. They'll be staying in Philly. Back at it on Tuesday. A little college basketball we can mix in. Indiana didn't exactly you know drape themselves in in good basketball it's quite last the Bob night. Knight tribute Yuck. playing Army. Yuck. We can. I, I'm not. I'm not sure how good they are. We can dive into that as well. But you know, I put this on Twitter and. I very much feel this way. You're right that eventually, you know, most people, not us, it will remember, but 99% of the people will see that the Colts beat the Patriots and they will move on. In a year or two, it won't matter. I always talked about this in college football. When a coach won like eight games and they elevated their program, it'd be like no one's going to remember that four or five of those wins were against bums, <laughs> were against Southeast Missouri State. No one's going to remember that. And so there's a little bit of that here. What does it mean the last two games? I do want to dive into with you, but this was totally a eat-your-vegetables type game. <laughs> and I put that on Twitter. You're like, uh, Kevin, you're going to eat those Brussels sprouts. Someone's like, are you guys going to talk about the game on Monday? I'm like, oh no, you're eating the green beans. Do you understand that? You're eating the raw carrots this morning. Of course we're going to talk about it, but that's the kind of game it was. Uh, and I just, I was in love that that was the game that was in Germany on Sunday. <laughs> Because you know my thoughts on it somewhat. I'm glad you're not a big international. I, I'm guy, just are you? I'm glad that it was a ten to six game. That the beginning of the game, the field goal, the long drive, the first quarter was done in like 15 minutes. The long drive by the Patriots, a long drive by the Colts, and, and there's a lot to talk about here. You wrote about this on the website. Minshew is just scattered. You're surviving and, and, him right and now. Just, I mean, you're surviving Minshew, which sounds like some sort of a show that's on E, some sort of a dating show or something like that. Uh, Shaq Leonard had some tackles, mm, not solo tackles, yeah. bad in the first series. We can dive into that. But it was Operation, Kevin, it was Operation 5-5. Five and five. They got there. Um, Tampa looked pretty, you know, better you know, uh, yesterday. Um, get healthy. Get a guy like Downs healthy. Can they get Brents healthy? Can they get Ryan Kelly healthy? Another, yet another yeah, concussion. Two more games of Grover Stewart. Yeah, yeah to yet another concussion on that offensive line. Interested to see if they can take this momentum and do anything with it. They had to win these two games. They did, but it was it was. Come on, guys. It was fun. Yesterday was funny. It was a little oh, funny. It was right? utterly right, hilarious. I, yeah. I, I tweeted right at the Bailey Zappi fake spike interception, which is unbelievable. Utterly hilarious. I could not believe that they really benched Mac Jones. And that has nothing to do with Mac Jones looking so horrific. I just couldn't believe that 
the guy that hasn't thrown a pass in a month, a second-year pro, it's not like Bailey Zappi's like, hey, man, he's his closer. You know, there was this one year where he where he had seven game-winning drives. Like, wait, he's coming in the game? All the Colts players assumed that Mac Jones was hurt when Bailey Zappi came well, into Bill the game o- there. Bill O'Brien late. screamed right in Mac Jones's face and, like four times. And, you know, Colts fans in this market, Andy, they will want to celebrate the Belichick image sure. after the interception and by all means I mean Belichick has absolutely been you know the biggest thorn with Brady in the Colts side for two decades so by all means go ahead and do that and I think we sit here on this Monday and you can have two paths you want to go down if you're a Colts fan the one path would say we're five and five like you said operation get to 500 can't play any worse and we're going to play Gardner Mitchell can't look any worse. We're going to play better after the bye week, and we've got a full week to rest up. You just listed some of the injured guys that they could get back. Again, Grover Stewart's got two more games, and he's back. The schedule's still really manageable. You've got a shot. Or you could look at it glass half empty and say, yeah, you're 5-5. Five and five. You play like you have the last two weeks, right? and you'll go 2-5 and five yeah. in your final seven yeah, You're games. not winning too many games. Tampa, Cincinnati, the Steelers, Texans again. How about my man C.J. Stroud? Again, I was totally wrong. I mean, they go. They walk in there, beat Cincinnati. You got to be kidding me! I don't like to agree with Adam Schefter a lot. It was at about four o'clock yesterday that he tweeted out C.J. Stroud on an MVP list. Wow! I, I mean, kid's turning into a star. And, and I'm thinking <laughs> Noah myself, Brown's got ten catches a game now. He might be right with that. So um, a ton to get to from yesterday. Jonathan Taylor is easily the lead back. The carries for Taylor: twenty-three touches, one for Zach Moss in terms of touches. And on Minshew for a second here. Because I know that's going to be a dominant topic throughout today. Andy, he looks jittery. He looks squirrely. He looks gun-shy to me. Um, I feel like Rosie Bowen has just played with her cousins, and she runs inside and says, Daddy, I got to go pee. And she's (laughs) dancing all around me. I'm like, just go pee. That's Minshew right now in the pocket. He is so, like like frazzled and, and just wants to bail out of that pocket so quickly. And I go to the gun shy. Is this from the turnovers a few weeks ago? Because the strip sacks and the interceptions, that had not been, that combination had not been a part of his resume. It started to be that. And then the chatter became, dude, if you just eliminate that and get out of your own way, this team can have some success. And now I feel like he is trying to do that at all costs. He is making sure that the moment that pocket starts to have any little mud around him, he bails. He starts to dance, and we're doing twirls, and we're running all over the field. Yeah. I mean, how many clean pockets did he run away from yesterday? And, and so I, I guess I'm trying to make sense of it. Why is he doing that? Why It's one read and bail is what I see so often with him. Yesterday, you had your starting offensive line intact for the first time since week two. Obviously, Ryan Kelly did get hurt. He didn't allow a sack since week two. But boy, if you would have watched Minshew just bail out of the pocket, you would have thought, you know, he would have been sacked five or six times with how much he was running for his life out there. So, as you head into the bye week, certainly there is no bigger question, I think, on this football team than your passing offense and really your your starting quarterback. Well, you know, and we'll we'll dive into this, but what I found interesting because I agree with you on him. Um, and, and listen, we know that when you're playing a backup quarterback for a long period of time, that there is the initial jolt. And I think Minshew gave this team the initial jolt, did he not? I mean, he came in for some of those games with Anthony Richardson going down, and he played well. You know, my thing with him is it almost felt like, 
you know, when he kind of just took over, right? When he took over in that Titans game, and then you go to the Jags game, the Browns score, you know, they score 38 against the Browns. They score 27 against the Saints. There's a lot of points in those games. He's thrown the ball a lot. It felt like that was the offense, right? That Steichen was going to live with, hey, I'm going to throw the ball with Gardner Minshew. And I don't know, and this is where it gets in to the the opponents that they played the last two weeks. I don't know if it's just because they could play not great football and win against Carolina and win against New England, or if Shane Sykin is saying, hey, we're going to throw less and I guess we're going to run more, and we're going to play muck-it-up football. In other words, we're going to bring teams into the mud with us to where our defense can play well, we could run the ball enough, and Minshew's throwing for 200 yards instead of throwing for 56 times in a game. Like I'm trying to find the objective here because a couple games ago, the objective was we're going to throw Gardner Minshew. We're going to throw the ball, right? And we had these conversations where it's like, maybe he's a little bit too pass-happy, right? Like, you know, you can't, what was it, the Saints game? We're like, you know, you can run the ball, right? Like, you know, you're able to run the ball. Go run the ball against the Saints. And then the last couple weeks, again, I don't know if it's because the defense can do enough to win those games or if Steichen is figuring out we need to have less of Minshew. I, I just, like, I don't know. I, I, I don't I, I don't know well, the answer to that. But it's not the same as it was three and four weeks ago. And I just think his presence in general and lack thereof is hurting the run game. You know, when you look at yesterday, Andy, the one touchdown drive you had, Jonathan Taylor had eight straight carries at one point on that drive. And then from then on, Taylor was totally stymied and you couldn't really move it. I mean, what was the one field goal? It was from 50, yeah, 51. It's not like you got, you know, down to the 10 yard line. I think after that opening touchdown, I remember I looked this up yesterday afternoon, you, you score in the opening drive of the game. I think the 28 yard line of New England was the furthest you got the rest of the day. It, it, again, it's stunning that we sit here and we're talking about a Colts win. Obviously, the ineptness of New England would be close to the top of that list for the why. Granted, again, I do want to you know acknowledge a big kick return from Isaiah McKenzie, Matt Gay out kicking Chad Ryland, uh, you know Josh Downs having a big third down conversion there that you know ate up some more clock, and then. I, on the Mac Jones pick, I thought he was throwing the game. <laughs> I thought he had money the other way. I, I thought, thought I he had DraftKings bet the other way. You know, uh, Rich Eisen said at the start of the game how Matt Jones set his clock to Frankfurt time. Oh, yeah, I think I heard he all that. some Germans get to him on Saturday night and make sure that he... And then, I, honestly, for a brief second there, I thought, did Leonard tip it? And then I probably remembered who we were talking about there and realized that... that yeah, well, that, we got to dive into him. That didn't happen. I mean, that, Julian that, Blackman. that guy ran his mouth for two straight weeks and had it a horrific uh, first quarter there. You know, last thing I'll say, and I know nationally... I know nationally the story is like if you're watching the game and you stuck with the NFL Network or even went to ESPN or one of the pregame shows, the conversation was not around the Colts getting to 500 going into the bye week. The conversation around uh, was, you know, Robert Kraft met with the team the night before and Bill Belichick's fighting for his life and he's never been two and eight and all, all this different conversation. And then they, they, I just, KB, they did not put someone back to fair catch a punt. <laughs> 
69-yard <laughs> punt and, and by Rigoberto and I, Sanchez. Yeah, and I'm that. sitting there saying, the ball's rolling 25 yards. It's the dumbest play in the history of the NFL. How do you not do that? What, are you going to block a punt? How many, how many block punts do we get in an NFL season? Nothing says a lack of confidence in your offense saying we are selling out. What, what quarter was that? Was that the first or the second oh, quarter? Oh, I mean, it was first half, yeah. it was. I need to go back, but it was first half. Like late first quarter, early second, when you're saying we're selling out on a punt because we know our offense can't move it. For the entire game. Granted, they did kind of bully the Colts at times with their ability to run it up the middle there, but uh, the Colts now 5-5 five and five on the year. They are in 10th in the AFC, and honestly, and we're starting to get here, Andy. Like I'm now starting to watch other games and thinking, okay, how is this helping or hurting well, last the, night, the Colts? Jets Raiders was a perfect example last night. A big game for the Colts yesterday at 4 o'clock. The yep. Lions beating the Chargers. Like those, you know, The NFC teams beating the AFC teams is what you want to see. And again, I know that that might not seem like necessarily the topic to go down here on a Monday, but that's the reality of where you're at here. Take my at watch off. My watch is doing this five. every day. What was Siri saying? I don't know. Siri's just recording everything you're saying, which can be good and bad. She loves my hair. Well, our electronics are just con- consistently recording us. They know they know everything that you've said this weekend. I think yeah, you pissed her off. That's like the fifth just, time in like the last couple you, weeks. This it time. happened really Friday. It, it happened Thursday. Thursday. I thought it was one of our salespeople out in the hallway on that. Uh, uh, plenty to get to. Basketball-wise from last night, as Andy said, Tyrese Maxey, dear Ooh. Lord, uh, puts up 50 on the Pacers as they lose in Philadelphia. Uh, that's probably a good thing it overshadowed the performance in Bloomington for Mike Woodson's bunch against Army. Tonight, Purdue and Xavier coming up at 8.30. We saw last year this game, Purdue-Marquette, this, uh, um, a, a, a Purdue opponent against a Big East opponent, it ended up being kind of one of the more uh, you know bigger games of the season when you look back on it. Purdue is heavily favored, though, over Sean Miller's Musketeers. So we'll chat a little bit about that as well. The Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Fourth and goal. Here we go. 58,000 here in Frankfurt on their feet. Minshew under center. Thanks to snap. Quick pitch right side of Jonathan Taylor. Looking to break it out. Slices into the end zone. Touchdown, Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y in Germany. JT finds the end zone of the Colts. They're on top for the first time today. Fourth and one converts for the Patriots. The clock is moving on them, though. They're out of timeouts. And Zappi fakes a blocking of the ball. He fires to the field. Picked off by the Colts. Intercepted by Rodney Thomas. Yes, sir. The Colts will take that. 31 seconds to go. And the Colts in Germany are going to be victorious. It's a bunch of laughing opportunity. Um, sorry, I'm just blessed to be here today. Um, playing in front of a home crowd, in front of family, and um, it just meant the world to me. Remember back in the day when West Virginia was good at basketball? They called oh, it they called Pitt. it Press Virginia. I remember Kevin Pitt Snoggle <laughs> yes. and Mike Gansey with his extra, extra, extra large T-shirt singing that on the floor. 
It's oh, yeah. epic. Pitt Snoggle with uh, one of the great mustaches of all time in the NCAA uh, tournament history. Hey, we're hanging out with you. DriveHuber.com Studios 239-1070. You want to jump in on the conversation. Colts winners, uh, Indiana, the Hoosiers winners, the Pacers. We'll dive into them. They ran into Maxie and Embiid both playing at such a high level early in that game. Maxie dropping 50 points there. Uh, we can dive into that as well. Again, 239-1070 here on the wake-up call. Just two quick things on the game on the Colts game and that I know you have a few narratives you want to dive into uh I, I just and I don't know why if this is just it's happened a couple different times and so my brain immediately sees it and I connect like the the Browns game where you know I really thought Steichen gave away 10 points at the end of that half but at the end of the half uh, I, I guess I love going for it there when that the Colts went for it. it. It was a complete wild sequence. And then, like, it was gutsy. You would have left precious time. And again, that's Steichen saying, hey, we turn the ball over almost in midfield. Go do something with it, Mac Jones. Go do something with it, Bill O'Brien and company. And so there's that. So he goes for it. And then it's a bad snap. And I'm still surprised that Matt Gay was short on the field goal. Yeah, it, Sanchez did a great job getting that it, down. Yeah, yeah, it was not a good snap. Who knows if that ultimately went into it. But he was about a half yard short on a 57-yard field goal was Matt Gay. And, and the only reason I bring that up is it, there's no harm in missing that field goal. You wish the execution would have been a little bit better. So maybe it's a 55-yard field goal and it's a good snap. And then you get three points there. And we're talking about how great Matt Gay is. But then you come back in the second half and throw the interception. That's the reason I bring it up because there's, I don't know, there's just something, I feel like there's something around halftime with the Colts where they're ready to give points up in a couple of these games. And you get the interception, you get the missed field goal. Thank God you're playing the New England Patriots. And then the second thing was, and and I don't know how you feel, I get why people are doing it, I get why Steichen does it, but... The, the tush push doesn't quite hit no. when you're not the Philadelphia no. Eagles. <laughs> I, I saw people were calling it the, the Naptown Nudge. I just And I like the names. They're creative names. I just... I despise the play, and I guess I'm get off my lawn, old man. Here, I just I'm done with it. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more patience there, and letting your booth get another look at the Michael Pittman screen. Pittman to looked challenge like a t- that. it looked I like a touchdown. Live Pittman was in there. Um, and again, it's not like that play has been foolproof for you, Andy. It didn't work in week one. You haven't really run it, I don't think, maybe even since then. So I would have liked to have seen a little bit more patience because that fourth and goal, which you just heard the highlight there from Matt Taylor, I um, mean, that was a hell of a play by Taylor in space. And Kylan Granson, you know, keeping that second effort going for that block. And you look back on it, that's a I mean, huge play. That's a play of the game. Oh, it's a block of the game. That's the only touchdown of the game. And that was a huge, huge play. And, you know, I, I almost feel a little bit repetitive from last Monday in that Andy you beat the worst team in the NFC last week you beat the worst team in the AFC this week if those are the repeated performances moving forward you're not going to be in the serious playoff race so that's the question for the next two weeks did you play to your competition or is that the norm are you more of that football team we've seen the last two weeks because for the most part this year I think the Colts have largely played to their competition good and bad um but I would agree with that. Yeah. For the next two weeks. Maybe outside the Jacksonville game, the second one. Right, right, I right. never really felt like they were in that game. Yeah. They tried to make game, it close. No, but in. I mean, look at Cleveland, Either absolutely. Way. Either 100%. way. 100%. Um, now, for the next two weeks, every time they flash up the AFC, they are in the hunt. They are on that graphic of in the hunt. And the AFC is crazy jumbled right now. 
Uh, teams 3 through 13 in this conference are separated by two games. And if you look at the standings, Andy, right now the Colts are in 10th. Obviously, there's seven teams that make the AFC playoffs. You play the fifth team, Pittsburgh. You play the seventh team again, Houston, who you've already beat once. Yep. Right now, Houston's in the playoffs. You play Cincinnati. It started today. You play the eighth team. That would be Cincinnati here in a couple of weeks in Cincinnati, or I guess that would probably be a month from now. And you also play the Raiders, who've won two in a row with Antonio Pierce. That's your second-to-last game of the season. So that's the question now I have is, can you survive two more games without Grover Stewart? Is there any resurrection of your passing game? Because unquestionably, if you want in the hunt to still be there come Christmas, you're going to have to play better than what you've played the last two weeks. I'm not holding my breath for the passing game having some sort of resurrection. I could see where your defense gets a little better with Grover Stewart being in there. Um, And obviously, you're going to play some offenses that aren't as incredibly inept as Carolina and New England. But that's kind of how I view things right now. As they sit here at 5-5 five and five because the AFC is so darn crowded. And as I've said all year long, and as a bigger reason why I thought this team would win seven games, I think the schedule's a joke. And it remains a joke. And it's very manageable. What do we do then with the next two weeks? What should we expect from the passing game? It's a question I throw to you. I throw it to myself. I throw it to Mark. I throw it to the audience. I just don't know the, I don't know the answer on... Like, like, part of me feels like Gardner Minshew throwing the ball. I think he's got turnover scar tissue. I, I, I think that's probably it. I guess, you know, he threw the ball. He was 18 to 28. Like, to me, I don't want to see him throw the ball 50-some-odd times. That means you're either behind. I mean, to me, that means you're behind and you've abandoned the running game. I also feel like, Kevin, that they run the ball well early, right? And it's like, then they then the second possession, like, they ran the ball eight straight times that first possession with Jonathan Taylor. And then it paid off with the touchdown. You're like, okay, we're dominating this front defensive line of the Patriots. And then the second possession, Steichen goes back and he throws the ball three straight times. Now, where I back Steichen is, if you throw the ball on first down, so many teams in the NFL run the ball there. I bet, Mark, if you're watching your Chicago Bears and they mm-hmm. say, we're going to get risky, okay? By we're the gonna, way, you guys gonna... arguing over when the next <laughs> win would come for the Bears and the Giants during the break during the break was absolutely tremendous. We want to bring that to the air in the 9 o'clock yeah. hour? You want to bring that? I don't know if we're That's that what desperate. we're doing, baby. That'd be really thrilling for yeah. the audience. Going game by game of the yeah. Chicago we'll Bears. Break it down. Well, they could beat Atlanta in a month, uh, which they probably could beat Atlanta in a month. But like the second possession, he throws the ball three straight times, Kevin. And, the, and, and, and I don't mind this, even though I could, you know, kind of harp on it here is when you throw the ball on first down, so many people in the NFL automatically run on second down. And so they get themselves into third and eight, third and seven. They get three yards. And it's like, Steichen's like, I'm not going to do that. You know, like, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to throw again instead of being third and seven. Why, you know, it could be third and 10. The ball's batted down. And then the third, uh, the, then the third drive was a mixture of both where he had a short yardage situation with Taylor and they don't get it. They end up punting. So it had a little bit. I just, like to me, are they going to be able to run the ball well 
all game. And I don't feel like they're doing that, but I also feel like Steichen and Minshew understand that the recipe of winning isn't him throwing the ball 55 times, and there is that scar tissue there, and the more you drop him back, and if he drops back 12, 15 more times, the chance of there being a fumble or an interception is a rather high possibility in my mind. So I I don't know what the fix is other than muck it up, get in these rough type of games. And I I say that, you know, I mean, they they were able to score against Cleveland. They put 38 on the board. They were able to score against New Orleans. So even a couple weeks ago, what I'm saying doesn't fit what I feel now. Now I feel like play defense, run the football, and hope that whether it's a Pittman play, a Josh Downs play, that you can hit three or four of those big plays. But Minshew's not winning you games. He's almost losing you games, but he's not quite losing you games. So I don't know what to do here. I, yeah. I gotta be honest. Minshew's gotta go enjoy the bye week and totally reset his mind. Where do you think he, he goes? Put him in the Caribbean for a full <laughs> week. Let him do things that you know we don't want to know about and, and regroup. I think it's all in his head, Andy. I think it's all in his head. Because when he has opportunities to make plays... Those aren't being made, right? Slight overthrows, yeah. He, he had you know, misses of, of of open guys, and you know that's usually you know his mo is he's accurate, very accurate. You give him a clean pocket, he's going to put the ball on target, and he's going to do it pretty f- frequently. It's honestly, you know, the inability to create a little bit more. You know, obviously, he doesn't have a huge, huge arm by any means, um, but I look at it and think the decision making and the processing. Are question marks and I, honestly, the processing goes back. Remember that Baltimore game when Kyle Hamilton free blitzer after free blitzer after free blitzer in that game? Like this dude just made his thirtieth career start yesterday, and it, it's still a bit of a struggle in that area for him. There were moments I'm watching that game. I'm thinking back, man. We had Joel Erickson on the show on Thursday, and I asked Joel to address his hot take that he had <laughs> on his own podcast. Um, leading into the game against New England, and his hot take was, I wouldn't mind seeing a Sam Ellinger-led offense with Shane Steichen calling the play. Yeah, but you trumped him. You went Kellen Mond. <laughs> I did go you Kellen said, Mond You over. said to hell, Joel, get out of the way. I got something uh-huh. better. Put Kellen Mond in the game. And honestly, I sit here on this Monday morning, I'm like, is that the craziest thought? Like, I know they're not going to do that, but Minshew's play has been so blah as of late that those thoughts to me are not you just quickly laugh at them and move on from them. Um, I guess the only saving grace, Andy, in the last two weeks is he's only turned it over once. Right. But, I mean, even yesterday, it, it, it felt like a lot of times when New England created the pressure, they almost just stopped rushing him. And Minshew just panics out of the pocket and is able to escape and throws it away. So uh, Shane Steichen's got a lot of work to do with that passing offense here because I I feel like you've got to throw it a little bit to try and offset the loaded boxes that Jonathan Taylor's getting because Taylor didn't run it at all to an effective manner over the final three and a half quarters of that game. Well, that's the thing. If you're not going to be able to... yards per carry? Yeah, if you're not going to be able to throw the football three yards per carry, 23 for 69 in right. the touchdown. After, in the, after that opening drive, no, that's there, exactly, there's no, no way he was no, more than spot, like two, you're, two you're and a half You're spot yards. on. No, I mean, it had to be just a couple yards. Uh, let's do this. Steichen, he called Minshew savvy after the game. Here's that sound. Yeah, no, he's got some savviness to him. You know, some of those third downs, especially early on that first drive, I think we had two third downs, created some big plays on some scrambles, um, which was huge. 
huge. And then obviously the big one we just talked about to Josh Downs uh, was huge. Um, but he's got good poise. You know, he sees it well. Um, and it was good. It was a good team. It was a good team win. Here, yeah, here's that's, here's that's the thing. one way to describe it. Uh, when Minshew and I know like even the Colts on social media put the Minshew magic on the play to Josh Downs where he's running around. He throws a dime. I mean, it's a dime. It's a great catch. It's a great play. Uh, I mean, all of all of it's fantastic. It was a big time, big moment, big play, injured guy, and everything else. It, it's there is a thin line between the Minshew magic and him being completely scatterbrained. Does that make sense? Like, there is a thin line there. Minshew can do, you know, can go back and twirl around and juke a guy and run to the sideline and make some sort of crazy throw and he completes it. And you're like, ah, there's Minshew. But the other times he does it turns into, well, he nearly threw a pick or he threw a pick or he overthrew a guy, which he did multiple times yesterday that were open. So there's this, there's this thin line between the Minshew... Madness in the, <laughs> the Minshew magic is how I feel, but he ain't going anywhere, man. I mean, he's 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 locked in. I mean, you hear how Steichen's talking about him. He's locked in. He's the he's the starter. And you know, w- when you look at the blueprint against Minshew right now, Andy, it's and I guess Minshew slash the Colts offense. It's load the box, press the wideouts, make Gardner Minshew get off his first read, and if he has to get off his first read, then he's probably bailing the pocket. And then it's just scrambled. Then it's a playground play. And, and I guess, you know, savviness is probably where Shane is going with that. I guess some of it is a little savvy in that, you know, he did extend at times and create whatever, an extra play or two for you at different moments in that game. But it, it's just not a recipe for sustained success at all. And you saw it yesterday. Um, again, you had the opening touchdown drive. Jonathan Taylor had eight straight carries on that drive. After that, you got to New England's. 28-yard line. That was the furthest you got the rest of the game. And this is not a vaunted New England defense. Yes, they're a good run defense. But this is not the best players injured. Vaunted New England run defense. They were on their third um, signal caller. Juwan Bentley, the Purdue product, didn't play. Mac Wilson got hurt early in the game. Um, So they were very banged up at a key spot of their defense there. Um, What are you good with the split, Taylor DeMoss? I'm I was stunned by that. Again, fifty uh, I, I, is, snaps to nine. How is that not one Taylor of, to Moss? Twenty-four touches for Taylor. Zach Moss had one touch in the entire game. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not against Moss getting a lot less. Okay, I would be disingenuous and inconsistent here on the radio because I, you know, you're paying Jonathan Taylor. He's your guy. He's the better player, right? And you guys have talked about this, Kevin. You've talked about this ever since we started the show. That Jonathan Taylor is one of those guys that he'll wear you down with with some runs, and then he'll pop a big one. Okay, now in this game, that did not happen for a myriad of reasons of which we've talked about. But that's the kind of conversation is around Jonathan. Taylor. With that being said, I'm stunned that Zach Moss had one touch on Sunday. So much so that it's a win. And so, like, since you win, you know, Gardner Minshew's scattered play isn't a conversation piece if Bailey Zappi goes down and wins the game there, or if Mac Jones plays better and the Patriots they kick a field goal, whatever they make a field goal, and they win the game there. Uh, Zach Moss not being involved, it makes me think something. It makes me think he was injured or sick, right? Yeah, you have to think he that. was not on the injury report. He has been on it here at different points, late October, even I think maybe last week before the Carolina game. He was not on it all this week. 
Um, something that I would like to see with the running backs moving forward is, and I think this can kind of offset the loaded boxes that Taylor's getting so frequently, I'd like to see kind of a mandatory three to four catches per game for Taylor. Just I, let I totally him agree. in space. He had one yesterday. Yeah, he only had one. And then, again, I think that allows you to put two backs on the field, which, to be fair, there were moments yesterday they had Moss and Taylor together on the field. Again, Moss only played nine snaps. Actually, I think there were a moment Trey Sermon might have been on the field, too. So uh, that's something I'd like to see a little bit more of, of let Taylor get downhill. I mean, you know, Shaquille Leonard whiffing contributed to a lot of this, but there were some times where Zeke Elliott and Stevenson got in the open field via screen, via a little dump. And, um, you know, when your quarterback play is as inept as both of those quarterbacks were for large chunks of yesterday, getting your playmakers a chance in space, I think would be wise. And we've seen that with Taylor. I mean, his first game back, he had that kind of crossing route where he catches the ball in space, it's man coverage, and he takes off for a big, big gain. I think that is something that you would like to see. Taylor had six carries for 31 yards on that opening touchdown drive. Uh, For the rest of the game, Andy, he had 18 carries for 38. And I look at that number and think, that's stunning. so much of that is due to load the box and force Minshew to try and beat us. 239-1070. Okay, the other thing we have to talk about, and coming up here in about 12 minutes, we'll get to our goats of the week, is we got to talk about Shaq Leonard. We got to talk about Leonard at some point here. Um, he had two solo tackles. He assisted in a lot of tackles, but that means he wasn't making uh, the solo tackles himself. And for a guy, and this is one of those things, I'm not going to do the easy sports radio thing, but it's understandable if I did. And what I saw yesterday on Twitter, uh, you know, basically I felt like Colts fans agreed with me. So I'm interested what you guys think. I mean, that first drive was a disaster for Shaq Leonard. Yeah, he had an absolute um, whiff on the Zeke screen, and then I believe the whiff on the very next play. Yeah, I'm not I mistaken. mean, back-to-back plays. Uh, the Ezekiel El- I mean, Zeke Elliott is as, I mean, I hate to say washed up. He has a little bit of tread left, but this is not, you know, one of the best running backs in the league. This is not being shook by Saquon Barkley or Austin Eckler. I don't know why I'm going to those two. Uh, you understand what I'm saying. It's not the, 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 the cream of the crop, if you will, when we get to, when we get to running backs and back-to-back bad plays and just, I, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, he, he talked a lot. He talked big on, what was it, Thursday? So you didn't even get to react to that, right? Yeah, I was he, there he spoke on, on Thursday. Well, you were there on Thursday, yeah. but I'm saying reacting on the show because you were getting, I mean, we got to get to your wegrowhairindy.com too at some point. But what are your thoughts on Shaq Leonard? It's one of those times where he talked big and then immediately in the game, he let the defense down. And that's all anybody's going to remember now coming from that game. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with Gus Bradley on why he doesn't play Shaq more. Um, frankly, I think EJ Speed should probably be playing a little bit more if you look at the snap totals from yesterday. Zaire Franklin, every single defensive snap, at 69 of them. Shaq Leonard, 48. EJ Speed, 33. Um, Leonard cannot be here next year, and he can't be here next year, especially at the price that you're paying him right now. I mean, you... you know, well, and if he's unhappy. You're paying him $20 million dollars based off the Matt Eberflus defense. I, I think if we really want to get in the nitty-gritty of it, you're paying him off of Matt Eberflus's role. So now his role is not with Gus Bradley what it was with Eberflus. So that price tag doesn't add up. Let, let's start there. Then you get to the second part of it. You're paying him that money. Why? Because he put up Canton, Ohio-like numbers through his first four seasons in taking away the football, making the splash plays. Andy, 
yesterday is it yet another game. Is it 13? Where you look at the Leonard stat line, and yes, he has nine tackles, only two of them solo, ton of assists, but then you go to sacks, zero. Tackles for loss, zero. Quarterback hits, zero. INTs, zero. Passes broken up. Forced fumble. Fumble recovery. You get the drift. Zero, zero, zero. I mean, that that's, I think it's 11, 10 straight games, something like that. And if you just want to compare him and speed, because theoretically, him and speed are playing the same position. Yes, speed's on the field for a few more third downs, uh, but still, first and second downs, if you look at Leonard's career, he's made those plays. He's not making these splash plays. He's not doing what you paid him to do and what he did through his first four seasons. And I actually thought Greg Doyle did a really nice job in setting up that piece yesterday, kind of followed Leonard throughout um, the, the the entire game. And he had, you know, a, a section in there of, you know, he feels bad for Leonard. Mm-hmm. I do. Due to his, you know, physical sure. um, things that wait, he's gone wait, through. He used to be a great player. And he's not a great, damage, he's not a great player. You know, he's needed multiple back surgeries to, cor- to correct the, um, the ankle issue that he's had lingering for several years. And I think for anybody that's been out to training camp, it's probably pretty easy to see. Because at training camp at Grand Park, you are so close to the action. And I say this, I, I don't know a better analogy to use. And I know the analogy might come off as I'm joking a little bit. But I want to be serious in trying to paint this picture. If you look at his left leg versus his right leg, Andy. The left leg, the injured one, looks like without the Mario mushroom in the leg, if you catch my drift. The right (laughs) Right. leg looks like he's gotten the mushroom in that leg. And he's talked about, like, my injured leg feels like it's dragging at times. Now, he hasn't used that phrase before, or or I, I should say recently, but if you just look at the difference in definition between his leg kind of calf area, one looks like, you know, a guy that hasn't been able to work out that leg, lift that leg, however you want to describe it, it's been through, you know, a bunch of wear and tear. And the other one looks like a legit, you know, NFL sideline to sideline, linebacker, et cetera, et cetera. So um, to me, it's not stunning that this is what we're seeing, but you have to live in reality. And the reality is this. He, he frankly, I don't think he should be playing as much as he is playing. I agree. If I'm to be totally honest. I agree. And at this value, um, there's no way that he can be here next year. Well, I, I, I appreciate his candor in each of these uh, media sessions, uh, all you want is honesty from him, and it's just how wired he is as a competitor. I almost walk away from that and think, man, he's just not living in reality. Which, again, these guys are such crazy competitors. There probably is an element where they can't fully live in the reality, but for anyone that watches the games, to me, I walk away from them and think almost weekly, why doesn't EJ Speed play more than Shaq Leonard? Yeah, that to me, that's the question. I mean, the question to me is, why doesn't EJ Speed, he is uh, way less expensive and is for sure going to be on the team next year. And now Leonard's put himself in the spot of, you know, when he, he's been a sympathetic figure, I think. I, I think people have been frustrated, but I don't think there's been the anger with what he has said the last couple weeks. Yeah, people are now saying, now, if you're going to talk, now, exactly. you got to walk. Now he's made himself where he's no longer the sympathetic right. figure anymore. Now he's Which, like, okay. Again, I think so much of that just comes from his competitive nature. Like, you know, People have asked me before, is this going to be Andrew Luck? Are we just going to wake up one day and he's going to retire? And I said no. Like Shaq, to me, is just, he's so obsessed with football. Again, he's such a wired competitor. Like He wants this. Uh, you can argue he, he, he needs it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but if you look at the splash plays, and to me, splash plays boil down to obviously turnovers, but I also put tackles for loss in there. 
I put passes broken up. And this is like a little one, but think of the Minshew interception from yesterday. I forget who the player was for the Patriots, but that play happens because a guy tips the ball as it's being thrown to, I want to say Pittman was the uh, intended receiver there. That tip leads to the interception. To me, that's a splash play. You make a you, you get your hand on a ball and you create an errant throw, and then a turnover comes off of that, even though technically the guy that tipped it doesn't get the interception. If you look at the splash plays and you go back the last 10 or 11 games, Leonard has two. Two tackles for loss. He's got no turnovers, no passes broken up, no quarterback hits, no sacks. And you look at DJ Speed, and I believe the number I added up for Speed was he's got 13 of them. And that's with playing a far less amount of snaps. So, to me, I, I don't think there's any argument. Like, I, I I think there's very little argument that Shaq Leonard would have. Um, I agree wholeheartedly with Gus Bradley and, frankly, think he's playing Leonard too much. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sad to see. I mean, if you, if you could imagine, you know, having him be 75-80% of, of himself. When you go to spa, uh, splash plays, we'll do a check down here in a second. You know, I said this on Friday, Kevin, that interceptions and like getting like a, like a fumble, like a strip sack, something like that. I, I almost don't judge him as much on those because those are like specialty plays. That's like you're a specialist, right? But it's the being, it's the solo tackles, it's the tackles for loss, it's creating, it's just creating some sort of havoc on the field, right? And he's not doing, he's not doing any of that. I mean, to me, EJ Speed needs to play 70% of the time and, and Leonard needs to play 30% of the time. Again, Am I seeing that wrong? He's upset with his role. And the reason why his role is not more utilized is because he's not the same player. Just point blank period. He's just not the same player that he once well, was. Okay, he's talking about, last thing on on this, he talked about, I think the thing that bothered me was, from his comments on Thursday, he acted like the Colts were withholding it from him, why he wasn't playing. Uh, and and to me, to me, that's silly. That's calling out your coaches. That's kind of going a step above, if you will. So so I guess that that bothered me a little bit. What is different with Gus Bradley this year, uh, and not and not Eberflus the last couple years? Because he's mentioned having freedom on the field. What is different? What is that role? How is it different? That's what yeah, I'm asking. He has said something to the effect of like in the role that he is in at linebacker, he is supposed to absorb. I think a little bit more from a blocking standpoint, funnel the ball um, back to Zaire Franklin as the other Mike linebacker. Um, he's mentioned something about the safety too that is escaping me right now, uh, but basically. That's where he says his role is so, not the same. So but again, when EJ Speed comes on the field, right. in the same role, he's, he's making, making more. more he's making he's and making again, more plays. There are plays on first and second down. It's sure. not just the third down usage for. But but I guess my my point is, you know, this was just a money thing where it was. This is crappy. It's his contract's too much, and he's not playing as well. And we love Leonard and everything else. But last week he went after his coaches. I mean, he did. He he questioned his coaches. Right. He questioned the franchise for not being upfront with him. And then he said something to the effect of, you know, people want you to to to, to keep coming at him until you start stepping on toes. Was well, he talking about Zaire Franklin, who might have two hundred tackles this season, who leads them in tackles every single game he plays? I, mean, I think you're talking you don't about the want coaching that. staff. There. Okay, yeah, you don't want you don't want it yeah. to be okay. I'm anti coaching staff, and now when guys like Franklin and guys like Speed are having success and they're taking some of that, they're taking your stuff away from you. Now, now, now you're talking about them. Uh, to me, to me, he's he's on the edge of going down a road 
that you don't want to go to, right? To where you have a player who's so unhappy that it becomes a big story. It's not it's not a big story yet, but one more press conference uh, of his, you know, next Thursday, it absolutely could become one. Again, we're 10 weeks into the season. If you're evaluating right now, there's no way he can be back, especially if I follow the Chris Ballard standard to value, value, value. I mean, Ballard preaches that to the nth degree of like, what does this guy mean to our system? Well, your defensive, if Gus Bradley's here next year, which I don't know, maybe that's a question, but if he is here, Shaq Leonard should not be making $20 million. If you're Zaire Franklin, you're saying, wait, where are we at here with how much money yeah. he's making versus making? I and mean, EJ Speed's going to make five next year. Yeah, yeah. Reminder, you miss any of our show, any of the shows. Jake coming up, uh, Query and Company at noon. JMV coming your way at 3 o'clock. Go ahead and download the app. It's absolutely free. Or visit us online, 1075thefan.com. I assume, Kevin, you're going to have a piece up with whatever. Is Dyken talking today or uh, he's tomorrow, not, right? Yeah. It's tomorrow, yeah, right? They landed well, like early, early this morning. Did they? That, that's yeah. what I figured. So mm-hmm. uh, a much better flight home, I would imagine, from Germany uh, after getting the win. The Colts move to five and five. All right, let's jump into it. Our goats of the week. Who is the goat? I told you all that I was the greatest of all time. Jordan, here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! That's what I'm talking about. That's why he's here today. That's why he's the goat. The goat. Or goat. This guy sucks. Of the week. All right, go to the week. KB, you want to lead us off here? You want to go with the, the, the big goat, the bad yeah, goat, uh, the good goat, the evil one? Where do you want to go right, here? I, I'm going to go big goat, okay? <laughs> okay. And I'm going to go with the agent to Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> yes. Just the, You know what? Just college football, just SEC it, football in general. Mel Tucker's agent, Jimbo uh, Fisher's agent. I don't know where mil. else we need to go for this, but the ability to construct and execute that contract with Texas A&M. And by the way, I hear this from everybody. Texas A&M, they've got more resources. It's a great job. Why has no one won double-digit games there consistently. They have fired their last 11 coaches, and that I meant to bookmark this, but someone on Twitter, since Jameis Winston left Jimbo Fisher, okay, at Florida State, at Texas A&M, there was a list of like 15 quarterbacks, and they're all dismissed or transferred. Yeah, but didn't Kyler Murray leave? They're all, they're all basically, either he got rid of them or they're like, I got to get out of here. I got to get away from Jimbo I, I, Fisher. I'm so confused how like, oh, unbelievable job. They've got oil money like none other. So why, why aren't they winning? I mean, they were in the Big 12. It's not like they've been in the SEC for all of these years. Uh, so yes, the agents, the agent to Jimbo Fisher, and uh, I'll throw in Mel Tucker as well. Uh, by the way, we need Urban Meyer to text A&M so bad. Well, Can I we mean, make this happen? Yeah, but A&M's gutless. I mean, how do you not make Bobby Petrino the head coach for the rest of the season? That's what everyone wants is Bobby Petrino. Not the defensive coordinator. Put Petrino on the sideline. My other goat Come was on. to the Wi-Fi for the Colts flying over so Daryl Baker Jr. could see the birth of his wife or anyway. yeah, birth of his daughter. But um, I decided to go a little different route than the sentimental route. The birth of his wife would be an entirely yeah, different birth of his story. Wife would be quite, quite, the, quite the scene. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna marry that woman. <laughs> my good goat. My good goat is kind of overarching. I thought the Week Ten slate on Sunday was fantastic. I thought it was the best NFL Sunday we've had all season. It was good, and that was despite. 
the Chiefs, Eagles, and Dolphins yeah. all being on buys. I mean, you had compelling games all day. You had the early window of Texans, Bengals, Browns, Ravens, Steelers being the Packers. Then you had the Lions, Chargers slugfest. You had Kyler Murray's return and the Cardinals beating the uh, Falcons. The Seahawks and the Commanders came down to it. It was mm-hmm. a glorious Sunday, especially after we slept walk through the uh, Colts-Patriots game and, and the Sunday night game was not great. But overall, that was the best Sunday of football all season. Yeah, and I'll go and I know, listen, I, I've done this a couple times. I, I guess it's just because I was wrong and I'm watching him and, and it matters now for the Colts, but I mean, my go to the week, I'm going to go back to C.J. Stroud. He even threw a late interception where I thought, oh boy, they're going to give this game away. I guess Cincinnati was due but I mean the Texans are five and four. They've won a couple road games. CJ Stroud has been good. He's been good when it has mattered the most. And he's making guys like Tay was it Tank Dell and Noah Brown. I mean, their leading rushers, Devin Singletary, and someone by the name of Xavier Hutchinson was on was in the game. I, I mean, they are I, I don't know, man. To me, if I'm a Colts fan, I don't like that CJ Stroud is playing so well. And CJ Stroud has put himself at least in the MVP uh consideration. I I still am not sold. They're going to be a playoff team, but I don't know. If you're a Texans fan, you got to be you got to be thinking about buying season tickets, don't you? Next year, I mean, this gets pretty good. Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, he could be it's our code of the week for several of these weeks. All right, my lowercase one, and you know, I I guess a bit of remorse and thoughts and prayers to the Michigan family. Um, but boy, um, this from Santa Ono, the president of Michigan. His tweet, countless members of the University of Michigan family have reached out to me over the weekend. I wanted to express my appreciation. Like any community, we face our share of challenges and adversity. There have been many such moments in our history, but as our team showed so clearly yesterday, we will respond to any challenge, (laughs) head on with a conviction to do better and emerge even stronger, go blue. Uh, I guess Jim Harbaugh died. Yeah. Because based off the reaction from um, their interim head coach. Sharon Moore. Sharon Moore. Who I, like, who I like a great deal. Like Indiana, you could hire him. So, well, how about Jimbo Fisher to Indiana? Or is Jimbo <laughs> going to sit on that money for 10 years? <laughs> when did you sit on that money? Go to the golf course? Oh, oh yeah, I would. man. Jimbo I, I, Fisher. I mean this in all seriousness. Lowercase goat to the University of Michigan. for They suspended Harbaugh in the first place. Yeah. Do they not remember this? Yeah. Now the they're acting of the season, like the yeah. dude is dead. Yeah, they're weeping on the field about him. Well, they're, and they're trying to do the thing of, well, it's a precedent. The Big Ten set, and like, while they might not be wrong with some of that, there ain't no one buying that. Not like, one person. Think about my venom towards Ryan Day and Ohio State a month and a half ago. Right. Remember right. that? Yeah. I, I, listen, I remember. I am now all in on the Buckeyes here in two weeks. Really? Michigan. Okay. I am all. I, th- really? Incredible. Incredible <laughs> to me how Michigan is acting like Jim Harbaugh has died and they are now playing for him. Well, Sharon Moore did the. He was crying and I was going to dub the sound, but he praises the Lord and then he immediately drops an f bomb. And I'm like, what? Well, it's yeah, my kind of guy <laughs> we, right there. Yeah, we Let's can't be play very that descriptive sound. there. Yes. But like, okay, emotion post game coach. Yeah, I thought that was over the top. How about the president's message? Countless members of the University right. of Michigan family have reached out to me over the weekend. Right. You suspended the dude in the first place. Well, I tell you, my, my lowercase go to the week is going right to that game. That is, that's the game that James Franklin cannot win. He lost to Ohio State. He scored 12 points in that game. He lost to Michigan. He scored 15 points in that game. And those are the two games. He can't win those games. James Franklin probably going to win 10 games this year. You're like, Andy, why are you yelling and screaming about a guy who's going to win 10 games? But you got to win those few games that put you over the hump and actually into the playoff. James Franklin, he's my go to the week. I mean, you have a you have an interim coach. You have Harbaugh, who is suspended, who you find out, hour, what, what an hour and a half before the game, he's not going to be able to coach. And you 
still lose and you yeah. can't score against yeah. the big guys in, in the your Big own Ten. Stadium. In your own stadium oh, in front God. of 110,000 people. Oh. My bad is the Chicago White Sox. You're saying baseball in November. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? Jason Benetti, Spoke the, like long, a true Cubs fan the right longtime here. voice of the White Sox, is leaving to take the Detroit Dyers announced job. How bad is that? Well, the White Sox have had such a horrible season. They had so many horrible moments throughout the season. Benetti is a homegrown kid, a diehard White Sox fan, and there's such a blank show down there that he decided to take the Tigers job. Oh, Tigers got to be banging him, too. So bad news for the White Sox even got worse because now Benetti's leaving. He and Steve Stone were the only enjoyable thing about that broadcast (laughs) the last couple years, and now they're going to be looking for a new play-by-play guy.